Welcome. You're tuning in to Calligraphy Unscripted. I'm Christy Tony, a calligraphy expert with 16 years of experience. And in this podcast, you can expect storytelling, actionable tips, and mindset hacks to help you along in this discipline. So let's just jump right in and ink up. Welcome to or welcome back to Calligraphy Unscripted's 22nd episode. So no matter how much I talked about it, I fell victim to what many calligraphers fall victim to this time of year, and that's overwhelm and rushing towards December 25th. So quick story time. I decided to handcraft individual cards, and I did start pretty early, but somewhere during the process, I rested on my laurels after creating like maybe the first 25. And then it was an absolute blur completing the last maybe 30. Some seasons I do this because I have so much pretty scrap paper along with blank envelopes. I also have foldovers. I just have a lot of stationery left over from when I used to do stationery. I had stationery as a component of my business. And all these years later, I still have so much. Now, I can come up with different motifs. It's just so much fun to play and then find a complimentary envelope. It's just also a convenient excuse to practice. Now, I love to do offhand flourishing this time of year, and that's the practice of adding ornamental designs to your calligraphy, if you're not familiar with that term, the leaves, the wheat, the cartouches, etc. Now, I learned from the great Heather Held, but I do so much custom sign work during a typical event season that I don't get a ton of time to practice. This close to the season made up for that because I felt so confident with what I was doing that I introduced it to my patrons and my Patreon with worksheets and step-by-step demos in order to break down the process and keep it from being so overwhelming. So I would say that I'm extremely satisfied with how I approached this year's cards. I got more out of the process than I would have if I had done it the way I normally do, which is to actually craft a design, digitize it, and then have it reproduced by a printer. I even practiced my broad edge calligraphy by doing some italic with some of the addresses. So it was really a good experience for me. So fast forward to this episode, which I really, really wanted to drop last week because I usually will have this week as one that I take off. For example, I am scheduling out calls with potential clients for next week versus this week because this is kind of a reset week for me. And I do believe it should be a reset week for you as we prepare for a new year. So the topic that I want to tackle is navigating engagement season. Now, if you have not heard of this term, it typically refers to the period from late November to February. Now, this is a time where 40% of couples get engaged. 
And this time frame includes major holidays such as Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and Valentine's Day. These are typically top tier dates for marriage proposals. Now, for wedding vendors, engagement season is a crucial time. It marks the beginning of when many newly engaged couples start planning their weddings. This leads to a surge in demand for services like venues, catering, photography, and of course, calligraphy for invitation envelopes, invitations themselves, place cards, sign work, you name it. Now, this is particularly an important time for social calligraphers. If your revenue or the way you want to show up or the things that you would like to be hired for are more in the commission lane, general commissions, working with institutions, etc., it's not so hot right now. But if you are a social calligrapher dealing with couples, weddings, events, then this is your time. Now I wanna get into some best practices for calligraphers during engagement season and what they include. This is not a comprehensive list. These are just things that I think are important. So first up is your website and your social media. Now you should update your websites and social media profiles to showcase not only your best work, but again, the work that you want to be hired for. If you're an envelope person, we're headed right into envelope season after engagement season. I would say that envelope season is probably or could be considered to be February through May. That's rough. Obviously, calligraphers do envelopes year round. But I would say, based on my experience, that that window is probably indicative of a surge in a high volume of people asking for envelope work. So the more organized you are, it'll help you manage the influx of inquiries, okay? You want to be able to provide clarity on how potential clients can work with you. We offer so many services. We do so many different things. We make a lot of assumptions for people who don't know anything about this, that it is not a stretch to say that sometimes approaching calligraphy services can be daunting and you can be considered hard to work with or I didn't really understand how to get in touch with her or, you know, you just don't want to lose out on potential inquiries based on something that could have been fixed or something that could have been a little bit more inviting on your website or your socials. I would just be very clear during this this time. Now, I think 2024 is going to be busy. Now, based on all of the usual metrics that I use, I can say this confidently. I can't speak for other industries. I don't know how busy planners are going to be. I don't know how busy other entities are going to be, but I know that calligraphers are going to be busy in 2024. Now, only the year-end numbers will confirm if this is actually true or not, but the volume of inquiries that I'm receiving right now are kind of a good indicator. Because I'm already booked a, a little bit 
more in the first quarter than I usually am. A, a typical season for me, I'm not really starting up until like late April, early May. I mean, you have your your events in January, February, sometimes maybe a March envelope order. Just, just it's it's just a it's usually a warm up. But I have already got three events in January. That's that's an indicator to me that I am going to be working. Not a lot of time off for your favorite podcaster. So yeah, it's going to be one of those years. So I want to talk about six actionable tips concerning organizing your website, things that you should consider. Now, go into your gallery. I'm sorry, number one, your gallery or your portfolio of work. Go into your gallery and take down older work and replace it with newer work. Now, this is something for me. I think my work is starting to look rather dated. I've got images up from 2015, 2016. And while it's still okay, it's not indicative of what I am doing right now. Now, in the same vein, unless you are completely stagnant in your calligraphy process, you should be happier with more recently executed projects versus that chalkboard or that mirror that you did back in 2019 that was cute. Do a forensic analysis here. Be brutal. And also keep in mind what is trending in the industry because, you, like, again, you don't want to look dated. Now, the key is to make sure your work has a broad appeal unless you have niched down to a super specific client. Number two, test all of your links. I know this is elementary, but I just tested mine and I found more than a few turkeys. I still have a few to take down. I deleted a bunch of them, though, especially particularly in the buzz area, the area where I have like press and buzz. You know, I've been featured in, you know, national publications, but going to some of those links, they're gone. So you have to you have to do that. The key is to make sure that you are looking like, I shouldn't say looking like, you want to create the impression that you are on top of details since you will be, you're being considered to handle a high volume of details that may be complex for potential clients. So you want to be able to at least have your website accurate and up and running in a way that will inspire confidence. Number three, be clear and specific about your service list and how people can work with you. Now there is a need to educate potential clients on these unicorn services. Now, unless they've already done a ton of research, and we all know those potential clients that have done a ton of research, they've been on the blogs, they've read the magazines, they've been on the knot, they are in the process of interviewing multiple calligraphers. I'm not talking about those people. They, they, they're just, they're all over it. So they're just making sure that they find somebody who is going to be able to execute the vision that they have. But the more typical potential client will be pretty clueless as to the under the hood process that takes place on most calligraphy services. So it's important to, number one, anticipate questions and number two, be prepared to answer them. Got to educate these clients. 
I mean, I know they probably look at this work and they're like, wow, how do you charge? What do I need to do? How early do you need a deposit? Do I need my own mirror? Like there's so many questions. So you may want to think about putting together some frequently asked questions just so you won't have to continue to repeat yourself. And it will probably also be a good exercise for you because there are going to be some questions that you weren't altogether sure about somebody asking about. So, you know, as you start getting inquiries, you should put these questions to the side and add them to your list. So you say, oh yeah, this has become a popular question that potential couples have. And number four, update your contact page. Let people know directly on your contact page the most urgent form of communication that you have. Also, I will say that the form only contact pages can be a turnoff for some. Now, I know that this is your business. You're deciding on how you want people to contact you, but it's not only potential couples that are contacting you. And a lot of times people who are contacting you for other kinds of services may not want to go through the form process. They may just want to see your email. I mean, I think that that email is a layup to add to your contact page. Now, if you don't want to do your number, especially if this is not a full-time endeavor for you, you don't want to field unscheduled calls, which will happen. I think you should research some virtual phone services just so you'll have something there. And I will say that mothers of the bride, mothers of the grooms, they usually like to chit chat and get a feel for you. So you should have a number. That, that's just my opinion. You do what you like, but that is just something, something that you want. Number five, make sure your form is working for you. For example, the form on my contact page is really not as detailed as it should be. And there are also some things on it that should be deleted because my business model and how to work with me has changed. And I'm reminded of it every time I get a populated form back. I'm like, you got to delete that. That makes no sense. So you, you don't want to take your client on a journey that, that that's not working for you. It's only going to help me to fix those feels. So that when I do come across a form, you know, I'm armed with all the information that I need and I haven't wasted the client's time, the potential client's time, I should say. And number six, consider a CRM tool. When you see CRM, that's customer relationship management tool, something that has everything inside. There's a monthly fee for these types of services, but, and you can just have everything in one place, your communication, your invoicing, contracts, all of that. Um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, I'm thinking about places like HoneyBook or HubSpot. Um, this will take your potential clients on a smoother journey. Now, I'm considering this investment in 24 simply because I am convinced that 24 is going to be one of those seasons with a ton of inquiries, projects, and details to manage. Okay? Next, let's talk about marketing and promotion. Now, I've got three areas to focus on here or things that I just think 
are is is how we usually tackle marketing and promotion during engagement season and the rest of the year, you know, depending on what you're able to do. But I would say that the lazy form of marketing is social media. So make sure you're showing up on social media and make sure you have somewhat of a strategy. I don't believe in posting for no reason. I believe that every post should have a purpose. You're either posting about your business in terms of trying to look attractive to potential clients, or you're posting to attract other calligraphers that you'd like to influence and teach. Whatever it is, there should be a purpose behind it. And then, you know, every now and again, you can do something for fun, but I just believe that there should be some sort of strategy. There should always be something. There should be a rhythm to the way that you're posting. Now, you can think of intros. If you haven't done an intro in a while, definitely consider an introduction. Try to make it fun. Try to make it a little different. Um, Jump cuts of your work. Jump cuts of your work set to a cool audio. Educational content like Instagram carousels that are targeted towards couples. So we're still on that, you know, the educational component. Letting them know what they should be thinking about during this time. As far as signs are concerned or envelopes or whatever calligraphy service you're providing. Now, Matrimony Monday is something that you can generate content around as well. This date is referred to as the Monday after New Year's, which this year is the 8th. Now, seeing how New Year's is on a Monday this year, however, it's hard to see the 2nd through the 5th being dormant days (laughs) for vendors, though. So, Not sure how much validity the 8th will have in 2024 as this big day is supposed to be a big day of decision for couples. That's when they're booking their venues. That's when they're booking their photographers. They're really making decisions. This used to be a much bigger deal. Everybody talked about Matrimony Monday back in 16, 17 But I don't know how big it is now. However, it's still popular enough inside the industry that I would definitely use a hashtag Matrimony Monday on the 8th. Explain to people that it's the first Monday. It's just an excuse to talk about your business. And it's an excuse to have some content that's centered around potential couples that may want to hire you. So think of it that way. Number two, now more formal marketing will include paid spaces like the Wedding Wire and the Knot. They're under the same umbrella. Magazine ad placements. Couples are still looking at magazines. Now, the thing about this kind of marketing is it is usually helping you to create legitimacy in the industry. Think about the impression that industry professionals are going to have about you and your business. You want to be regarded as a vendor that can be trusted and this trust will land you inside some nice referral loops. Because trust me, that's the only thing that you're trying to get to. You're trying to make it to some trustworthy referral loops that are going to 
give you some consistent business. These referral loops can have you receiving either recurring work with a vendor, a corporation, or in a position to build a solid relationship with a planner or decor companies. Number three, bridal shows. Now, that's something that you should look into. It, it really depends on your market, in my opinion. You can get lost in the shuffle in larger markets in these bridal shows because typically couples that are walking these shows are looking for freebies and they're looking for discounts and they're looking for deals. They will be impressed and will chat with you if you have really beautiful materials and it's something that they can envision for their event. So I will say that now. And it also depends on the foot traffic. I would be extremely careful in selecting which ones you want to set up at because it's a lot of effort and money to waste on a forum where, where you will only chat with a dozen people. You want it to be worth your while. So do your research and ask questions. The organizers of these bridal show events should be doing the proper marketing in order to ensure foot traffic. I can't tell you how many shows I've been to with fresh business cards, all of my displays hauled in with easels, etc., a crisp suit, a stack of potential client forms, intake forms to get basic information so that I can follow up with them later, only to talk to eight or nine couples. That is not enough exposure. So be sure to weigh that against the effort that you're going to have to expend. It's got to be worth your time. Okay, so networking. Now, you should collaborate with other wedding calligraphers, full stop. This can lead to referrals and shared business opportunities. Research your niche inside the industry and find out who is killing it in your market. Start there. And when I say killing it in your market, not just calligraphers, look at the industry professionals, florists, decor people, planners, photographers. You've got to do some research. Now, most calligraphers that you find will be community over competition. And even if they aren't, you want as many people to know about you and what you specialize in. The bottom line is, I don't care who the best calligrapher in your market is. They can't do every project. There's only so many projects that calligraphers can do in a single calendar year or a single wedding and event season. And if you're not going after the wedding work, find out where you can fit into the niche. You can, you can, you can get into the wedding niche without having to be too wedding-y. Engraving is pretty universal, and people are giving engraved gifts. You just have to be a little clever about how you leave your cards and how you talk to people. But in every situation, let people know what you want to be hired for. It's all about specificity. One of my favorite creators on TikTok is always saying this, specificity. Just be very specific about what you want to do and be very intentional about how you show up with these people. Next, let's talk about quick responses and response times. Now, be prompt in responding to inquiries. Anytime you can respond same day, you'll be able to stand out. You will. 
people are always saying, oh, thank you for the quick response. And that can be even after a day or two. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even think it was that quick. There was a planner that I knew, a male planner, and he would respond to every inquiry within the hour. And I thought that was amazing. Amazing. I can't respond to people that quickly. I've lost out on opportunities because I've been unable to respond to people or I've responded to them and made a bunch of promises and then didn't follow through with them. So I've had people like, yeah, you know, they didn't want to wait. So they went with some someone else. They went in another direction, which is fine, which is fine. Because if I go back to somebody and I know I've dropped the ball in terms of response, you know, responsiveness. I expect for them to say something like that, but I have to go back. I can't just, you know, let it trail off. Just understand that three to four days is too long to keep someone waiting on an inquiry. If you, if you keep somebody waiting three to four days, then they have likely gone with someone else, depending on the date of their wedding, depending on the date of their event, depending on how antsy they are to book somebody. I mean, I've had people where I've completely dropped the ball and after doing a forensic analysis of my emails, had them waiting a week and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so swamped. I'm just not seeing your email. If you are still in the market for this, this is how much this service would cost. I'm so sorry. You know, things like that. Sometimes you hear back from people. Sometimes you don't. And that's fine. I don't expect much, but I do like to go ahead and take the step, even if I'm super late to say, hey, drop the ball. Here's the price. I'm here for you. Also, you know, you may want to consider having a bounce back email. I've seen wedding vendors, industry professionals have bounce back emails that states that it'll take them 48 hours for a response. And that helps. That helps soften the blow. Because sometimes if I send a referral, if I send some referral business to a calligrapher and I don't hear back from them, I'm just kind of like, ah, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to give this person a a referral. Because this is what I'll do in terms of my referral process. And I talked about this. I think I talked about this in detail. I have to find the number of the podcast that it was, but it was all about referrals. So go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't listened to it already, because there's a lot of detail in there. I don't want to I don't want to go too far away from what I'm trying to talk about. But yeah, go go into the referral episode. Finally, contracts and clear communication. Now, do you have a contract? Are you working with a contract or without a contract? Do contracts intimidate you? If you do have contracts, ensure that they're clear and your communication is thorough to avoid misunderstandings later. Now, it might surprise you, but historically, I have not used formal contracts. I know I've been in business a long time, but I do have a service agreement document with terms and conditions on it for people to sign. And those, I usually give those to people that ask for a contract. Now, will somebody ask me for a contract if they're just doing a a single welcome mirror? Probably not. But some of these envelope orders can get pricey. 
Sometimes if you're doing a suite of signs for people, it can get pricey. Those are the situations where people are like, do you have a contract? So just keep this in mind. You have to realize that one, your couple is usually now accustomed, depending on the time that they've reached out to you or where they are in their journey of nailing down all of their what their industry professionals. Now, your couple is usually now accustomed to signing contract after contract, right? So it's not insane to expect one from you. Also, number two, post-COVID, terms like epidemic, pandemic are fresh on people's minds. Also, force majeure. This is a French term that literally means greater force for those of you that are unaware. And it refers to an act of God. So we're talking about a hurricane, a tornado, a zombie apocalypse, things that are out of both parties' control. Clients want to know that their deposit slash investment will be safe with you in case of unforeseen circumstances, period. So you should pull something together. Get on Google. Get a lawyer. There's also, I think on Etsy, a couple of listings for contracts for calligraphers. Don't hold me to that, but I I do believe that there is. But do a little research just to cover yourself, especially with this higher dollar or, or higher ticket service invoices that you're putting together. You can't just ask somebody for $3,000 and, and ask them for what, half, a third, and not have a contract. So just think about that. Okay, so finally, I hope you took the time to send out cards with beautifully addressed envelopes over the holiday because this gesture will not only show appreciation, recognition, etc., it will also keep you top of mind for first quarter opportunities. And if you didn't, it's still not too late. I still have some stragglers. I probably have about five cards that I want to send out. And I'm just going to make them a New Year theme. So still not too late. (laughs) Probably like, please don't make me work. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and assume that this podcast will play as somewhat of a homework assignment. Sorry about that. Um, What I'm doing personally to preserve this week as a kind of downtime for me is scheduling all of my inquiries for calls after the New Year's. I said that already, but just want to reiterate that there there is always a way for you to kind of buy time for yourself. So I, right now I'm technically working, but the real work will begin next week. Now, don't forget to email me through the Calligraphy Unscripted mailbag with questions and ideas for future episodes. It's calligraphyunscriptedqa at gmail.com. Again, it's calligraphyunscriptedqa at gmail.com. Thanks as always for listening. Happy holidays. Happy New Year early. And I will chat with you next week. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I appreciate you listening. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Check out some of my problem-solving content in the show notes, and I'd love to connect with you on socials. I can be found on Patreon, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube under Calligraphy by CT. Until next time.